We record on Turrbal and Yagara country in Mianjin, Brisbane. Brisbane Festival recognises the integral role Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples continue to play in the creative and artistic events and celebration spaces and pays respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Beginner's Call takes you backstage with Brisbane Festival and into the hearts, minds and rehearsal rooms of the casts, creators and critics behind Queensland's most anticipated event of the year. Our guest this episode joins us all the way from Toronto in Ontario, Canada. Virginia Antoni Palai is the creative producer at Mammalian Diving Reflex, an extraordinary global producer of site and social specific performance works. Their trailblazing social impact project, Night Walks with Teenagers, is one of the international highlights of this year's Brisbane Festival. Through the power of walking, teens and adults are brought together for a unique social experience in a shared place and time, following common paths and connected futures. To tell us more about this very special project, welcome Virginia. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's so great to have you, our first international guest. And after two years of the chaos of the world that we've experienced, to have international artists uh, front and centre in this year's Brisbane Festival is just so exciting. Very exciting. Virginia, before we dive into Night Walks with Teenagers, I'd love to share a little bit more about mammalian diving reflex more generally. The company name derives from a reflex found in mammals, a, a series of psychological changes that take place in the body in response to a mammal holding its breath when submerged in water. It's a fascinating name for a company and a fascinating place to start our conversation. Can you tell us a little bit more about the name of the company and what it means? Oh, wow. (laughs) The name of the company. I mean, I guess it's all about diving into very uncomfortable situations sometimes. I think that's sort of the essence of a lot of projects at Mammalian Diving Reflex. It can start off very, you know, awkward, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but at the end of it, you get this really beautiful experience and it's just connecting with people, you're engaging with the community. So it's all about going through maybe that difficult experience at first, but then at the end, having this like, you've created this beautiful community and interactions with each other. And all of the company's work is in that space, isn't it? It's bringing together non-traditional performers and, and everyday people to make work. Exactly. So I always say mammalian diving reflex makes art for regular people. It's really just that. We involve the community that we're in. We get regular people involved. And yeah, that's that. The nature of the company's work is based on two core assumptions about the world. The first is that people are generous, and the second is that there is abundance. Can you elaborate on this? Yeah, so I think we have this idea that when we meet somebody new, there's this feeling where maybe they won't like me, maybe they think I'm weird. And, you know, we get a a little bit apprehensive of coming up to people and starting a conversation. I'm sure we've all had that really just awkward, terrifying feeling where we want to maybe approach somebody or ask them a question or give them a compliment, but that anxiety holds us back. But when you realize like 
muster up the courage to go up to that person, oftentimes they're very receptive and they're very excited to talk to you. So one of the activities uh, that we do at Mammalian Diving Reflex, or I guess a kind of exercise that we do is called Out of My League. What we do is we go out into the public, we find people out in the space, either like when we're in a mall, in a park, basically anywhere where there's a bunch of people around. And we kind of like scope everybody out and see that person looks like too cool for me, or that person looks too cool for me. And so what we do is we go up to them and we say, I'm playing this game called Out of My League. And I think you're too cool for me. And then 100% of the time, they'll be like, oh my God, no, like, I would love to talk to you. You know, I would love to be your friend. And so that's the spirit of generosity, where there's this just essence of like, people being very receptive to you. And I think that's kind of like the essence of the company, just going through that really painfully awkward experience, but then at the end, having this really forming this really beautiful like relationship with somebody. There's a gorgeous moment in a promotional trailer I was watching for the making of Nightwalks with Teenagers, and there's a young person who participates in the project who says, Mammalian does these really crazy things where they basically bring us all together and try to make us feel as awkward as possible, and then we're friends. And that's exactly as you've just described. Yes, exactly that, yes. Obviously, you know, we're very much looking forward to having Mammalian here in Brisbane for this year's Brisbane Festival. And the company tours extensively around the world, but not in a traditional sense. For those unfamiliar with the work of the company, Mammalian, rather than touring a cast of performers who present the same show night after night, uh, Mammalian tours a process, which, as we've discussed, incorporates locals into the production team. How does that come to fruition on ground? And, and I guess through the lens of night walks with teenagers here in Brisbane, how do you go about building that show and experience on ground with Brisbane locals? So I think one of the beautiful aspects of a lot of our performances is that it is site-specific and social-specific. So each iteration of Nightwalks will always be different because you're in a new community, you're working with uh, a different group of teens who have a different group of interests. So typically when, you know, we get approached by like uh, presenters who want to put on the show, there's a like four to six month period of recruitment. So festival will be involved with the local community. Sometimes we uh, work with like a school, for example, and work with a specific classroom or, you know, we work with uh, community organizations in that town. And then when we are on the ground uh, with the teens, we go through a series of workshops where we do these uncomfortable activities uh, with the public just to get them more open and comfortable, like talking to strangers and going through that awkward experience together to build that relationship. And then after all of those workshops, we scout the city, we observe what the teenagers like to do, and we incorporate a lot of their uh, interests and things that they like to do during the walk. So in Night Walks with Teenagers, there is a bunch of activities that will play throughout the performance. In one iteration, we'll stop and play basketball with the audience and challenge them to a competition. 
Or in another one, we'll stop and do a ghost story that's told by one of the teenagers. And so there's a lot of these crazy things that go on. Like I said, it's always going to be different because the teenagers are different, right? And we're in a different community. Maybe there's different values. There's different lifestyles. So yeah, it's always so much fun going to all of these places and seeing how the teenagers are like in this area or the teenagers like are in that area. So yeah. You know, as a work, Night Walks with Teenagers seeks to bridge the gap between adults and teens a little bit more. Where did the, the concept originate and the idea of bringing together or handing power back to teenagers and positioning them in a place of influence in order to teach adults? Where did that originate as a concept? So the idea was actually born here in Toronto. Gosh, it is a... I think it was almost over 10 years ago in 2011. Well, I guess I'll maybe I'll start with how I got involved with the company and how that sort of birthed the idea of Nightwalk. So I first became aware of Mammalian in 2008 when they came to my elementary school to do a series of projects. And after that, A group of my friends continued to keep in touch with the company in high school and invited me to participate in some of the things that they were doing. And at that time, I had actually moved out of that neighborhood uh, that I grew up in, and all my friends were still there. So being involved with Mammalian was a great excuse for me to keep in touch with all of my childhood friends. So in high school, so in 2010, 2011, Uh, We met up almost every week with Mammalian. We were getting invited to gallery events, performances. There was even a period of time where we were writing silly songs and performing them at gallery events, which was a lot of fun. And at this time, my group of friends and I weren't really exposed to public art. I never would have thought I would be going to like gallery events or people would want to see us. Like it, it just... It never crossed our minds, but I think what Mammalian was trying to do was show us that we can infiltrate these spaces and we belong in those spaces. And even though we're teenagers, we can contribute in a significant way. And we felt important. And these outings were also like a perfect excuse for us to just hang out and like stay out later with our friends. So in one night in 2011, we were seeing a performance at the Harborfront Center in Toronto, which is a cultural organization along the waterfront. So it was probably around 9 or 10 p.m. And all of us wanted to walk back home to Parkdale, which is the neighborhood that we grew up in. And so it's about like a 40-minute walk, which is pretty long. And the artistic director, Darren O'Donnell, was like, okay, I mean, I guess I'll walk you guys home. Like, we won't take the transit then if you guys really just want to walk home. And so on the walk home, we were just like running around full of energy, like singing songs, like having deep conversations with each other. And we were just being teenagers. And then the idea was born. Like, let's have teenagers lead us through a city, involve audience members, to become not only spectators in our antics, but also participate in them, resulting into this like beautiful intergenerational experience. And yeah, that's how it was born. And as the teen who first fell in love with Mammalian, uh, as a high school student yourself, do you see the experience and I guess the richness of the experience that you felt 
extended to this next generation via this project? Yeah, like just, I mean, being involved in this from the start and then seeing to what it is now is like so eye-opening because it has such a positive impact on the youth that we work with. And I think especially now, like seeing youth mental health, it's a crisis right now. We need these sorts of activities to like reinvigorate the community and get youth involved and listen to them. I think that's the biggest thing that we need to listen to young people because they often have great ideas. They sometimes left out in big decisions. But like I said, we really need to involve them in in life. Just because someone is under 18 doesn't mean that they're not capable of making a decision or having a sound thought. And I think that's what this performance is really about, like putting teenagers in the forefront as leaders and as an adult. I'm sure it's like a lot of fun joining because you get to be like a teen again, but you also get to see like how impactful these teens are and how smart they are, how fun they are. it's, It's a really great experience. You mentioned that what started quite accidentally with a group of friends choosing to walk home one night from the theatre as opposed to taking public transport has taken on a life of its own. And, you know, this work over the last decade has had seasons all around the world in in England, in Switzerland, Germany, France, Mexico. Are the discoveries in each country or each city universal or do you find there are nuances with teenagers in different countries? I mean, yeah, there. I think teenagers, you know, maybe at the core, they're all the same. You know, they are, some of them could be loud and very um, just kind of like off the wall. But then there's also teenagers who are more reserved and more on the soft-spoken side. But yeah, I do think to answer your question about whether there are nuances, I do think there certainly are. I mean, working in North America is very different to working in, say, Asia or Europe, just because some of the values are different, some of the ideals are different. But I think at the core, it is still the same experience, like seeing teens like at the forefront on stage, taking this like really big leadership role. I think that is always universal. And obviously, you've had these really introspective relationships and connections with teenagers all over the world, what would you say are the biggest issues or concerns that are plaguing teenagers today? Oh my gosh. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I see a lot of like, there's not enough resources out there for a lot of teenagers and a lot of people in general. And I think that is a really big issue that we are not giving teenagers enough resources to do things after school or programs that they need help with something. There's not a lot of programs out there. Sometimes teenagers these days are experiencing loneliness and a lack of belonging, especially after the COVID pandemic. We were all at home and we weren't doing anything. I think we're seeing a mental health crisis amongst youth. And I think a lot of that is because of the lack of resources and lack of programs. And yeah. I think one of the things that we've talked about uh, quite a bit is the at the core of this work is a seemingly simple question or provocation that is what happens when you put teenagers in charge? What happens when we allow teenagers to assume a leadership position? What have you learned from being involved in this project over the last 10 years? Well, I mean, I've learned to 
I think just be myself really when you see these teenagers just so like are just so comfortable being loud and very confident in like kind of going through the city and jumping off the walls and just like having a really great time I think I've really learned gosh like just need to be myself. I need to stop having that anxiety of what people will think about me. I don't want to do this because I don't want to look lame or you know what I mean? I think the core of it learning that just being, you know, unapologetically yourself and just living life and having fun. And a lot of adults kind of lack that because, you know, they forget that the beauty of life is just like interacting with people that you love and meeting new people. And I think we're so caught up with like our work lives and of course making money that we just forget that there is a life to live. And like when you see young people just kind of doing it so gracefully, it's like, wow, that's really important. And I think that's what keeps me going. Like just remembering that there's more to life than just day-to-day work and making money and making a living. That the core of it, there is a whole group of people out there that you can engage with. It's a really special project, not only for the audience members involved on this night walk with teenagers, but also the passerbys who would see this group of adults and young people exploring at night, having these really robust conversations. How how does the general public, the unsuspecting general public, interact with the work as it progresses around the city? Most of the time, they're very receptive to it. The last night walks we did was actually in Toronto, uh, which was very special for us because the idea was conceived here and we were able to finally bring it here and present it in Toronto. And one of the activities that the teens wanted to do is sing Christmas carols (laughs) while we were walking. And while we were crossing the streets, cars would honk at us and honk to the beat of the song or a lot of the times people will come up to us and be like oh what are y'all doing like what is this and then we'll explain it and they'll be like wow that's so great that's so cool but you do have moments where you know people aren't so receptive to it in London in 2018 when we were crossing the street we had a very big group of us and we essentially stopped traffic to get, you know, 60 plus people from one side to another. And the drivers there were not very happy about it. So I'd say, you know, 99% of the time, the public are very receptive to it, very intrigued about like what's going on. And then you have that 1% where, you know, it's like, okay, you guys are in my way, like time to move on. But generally, it's good. They are the people that are too cool for us. Exactly. (laughs) Of all the night walks that you have been involved in over the last 10 years, best part of 10 years, is there a particular walk that was most memorable or that lingers for a particular reason at all? Oh, Oh, man. I think one that really sticks out to me actually is uh, the night walks we did in Bochum, Germany in 2015. That project was actually a a part of a larger project that we did called Teen Talitarianism, which is essentially like a bunch of projects that are run throughout a festival and Night Walks with Teenagers is one of them. But that specific version is when myself and 10 of my other friends who I grew up with, my childhood friends and the ones that were 
involved on that night walking home from Harborfront. Uh, we all got to go to Bochum, Germany and uh, do the project there. And that's when we met our German young mammals. Uh, so they're called Miton Alice. They were the youth collective working at the Rutrunel at the time, which is a, a cultural organization in Bochum. And that was the first time we met these group of kids. And ever since then, we've continued working with them. A lot of them are on the road putting on our performances. In Toronto, actually, uh, we had someone come from there. And it's so crazy because I remember meeting Nana, who was this person that I'm talking about. When I met Nana in 2015, she was like this 14-year-old kid. And seeing her now at like 21, leading the project is like crazy. It's so inspiring. And it just warms my heart. And that specific Night Walks is very special to me. I think selfishly because I got to do it all with all my friends, but also because we got to meet this great group of youth who we continue to work with and are, you know, really taking charge and like directing these projects, which is like fantastic. You touched earlier on the way in which different countries, different cultural constructs, different ideologies in the different cities that you're in can really influence and change the nature of the work. Obviously, that that global outreach sees, sees you, the company tour to all corners of the globe. How do you navigate as a company those cultural differences, nuances, language, protocols? How do you get your head around those in order to really meaningfully engage with the locals in each city? I think with that, we really kind of trust the youth on that front, you know, we ask them, you know, tell us about what the community is like here. Is there anything that we need to be aware of? And, you know, they'll often tell us, oh, you know, let's not walk past this street late at night because it's a little sketchy. They'll tell us stories about other specific areas. So we really put that trust on the youth and they're always very willing to like give us the 411 on the city we're in and just so very important for us to be aware of the cultural values and the town we that we're in and of course respect that we certainly work together with the teenagers because this is their show too right we want to make sure that they're comfortable and the audience members are comfortable too, right? I mean, the teens are really kind of our guide in that. At the risk of sounding like the oldest person in the world, and I, I say this very lovingly, I know that a lot of young people can have the, the tendency to be very playful and quite cheeky. Have you ever had any teenagers involved in the project lead you or the audience astray? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, let me think. I mean, nothing really comes to mind, but, you know, you do get teens that are just, like, off the wall and, you know, very, like, chaotic and active. You just have to let them be. Of course, like, there are limitations if, you know, if somebody is kind of, like, bring water, a water pistol in, like, an audience space, like, maybe then you could be like, okay, chill, chill out a little bit. Maybe just spray, like, their t-shirt and not their face. A big thing at Mammalian is that we let the teens do what they want to do. That means being loud and chaotic within reason. <laughs> so be it, right? But nothing particular comes to mind. There's always going to be chaos in some way, in a good way. In a great way. 
The Brisbane season of Nightwalks with Teenagers, which is a Queensland premiere, the first time the work has been staged here in Brisbane. The journey will commence in King George Square, which is the site of Brisbane City Hall, quite a monumental landmark in terms of the city centre. Where will our teenagers take us? Have you established the routes that we will journey at this point in time? No. So the route planning takes place when we're with the teenagers, and that is entirely up to them. What we do before the performance nights is we'll scout the city. We'll ask them, what are some cool spots you've been to, or what are some cool spots you want to visit? And then we take it from there. You know, the route is never pre-planned in any way. It is entirely made up by them, by the teenagers. And I think that's another really beautiful part of it. You don't really know what you're getting into until like you're there with them. It's also a great way to see the city doing it in Toronto. Our night walks uh, took place on the waterfront and there were like a lot of like beautiful spaces that I've never really been to or I've never thought of going to. So, you know, like it's a really cool way of like discovering like little parts of your city. You know, night walks with teenagers isn't always about the teenagers like showing you parts of their neighborhood or showing you the, in some respect it is, you know, the teenagers like showing you the cool spots they hang out at. Sometimes we work with teenagers who are new to the city, they've just moved in, and they're discovering the city for themselves the first time. So it's really about placing this trust in the teenagers and just letting them take us to wherever they want to go, right? So, yeah. You mentioned that your first exposure to mammalian diving reflex came when you were in elementary school student. And mine was very similar. I was in university and that was the first time that I learned about the company as one of the pioneers of really interesting, groundbreaking work that was happening globally, which just goes to speak to the company's reach and impact. One of the other projects that the company does, which I'm just so besotted by is haircuts by children, uh, where the premise is you literally hand yourself over to a young child and allow them to cut your hair. Uh, Chat to me about that and that as a concept and and where that came from and what that seeks to do as a piece of work. I mean, you explained it very well. Haircuts by children is exactly what it sounds like. You get a group of 10 to 12-year-olds who run a full-fledged salon. And again, that idea comes from just placing that leadership into young people and giving them that outlet to just really take charge and be leaders and have a voice. And it's just a fun experience too. Like we, there is always this very beautiful story that we share that happened during uh, Haircuts by Children. And there was this man named Hugh And a child was trying to buzz cut his name into his head. And it went really off the rails. Like, it was a bad haircut. It was not good (laughs) by any means. But then his girlfriend shared with us that that's the most in love she's ever felt with him because he had placed so much trust into these children. These children were having so much fun just being themselves, kind of like taking on this role as a hairstylist, as the adults, you're put in this very vulnerable position, right? You don't know what your hair is going to look like. And let's be real, oftentimes the haircut is like not so good. But you know, (laughs) that's the fun of it, right? You're placing this trust into these kids. And it's, it's just such a magical time, really. 
Absolutely. And how many of us had not had a terrible haircut that doesn't come with that oh. sense of joy of coming from a child? <laughs> I'd say there's probably equally as many qualified hairdressers who are capable of giving terrible haircuts. Exactly. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia, we are so excited, as I said, uh, to have Mammalian here in Brisbane for this year's Brisbane Festival. It's been an absolutely chaotic couple of years and, and one of the greatest joys with this year's festival is that we can finally welcome back our international friends. What are you most looking forward to about your time in Brisbane? Well, I will say that um, this performance in Brisbane will be our 30th edition of Nightwalks with Teenagers, which is so exciting. I like looked on, you know, our records just to see, oh, you know, what number are we at now? And Brisbane will be our 30th. So that is super exciting. I'm very excited to to be there, meet the teenagers, engage with the community. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. The 30th version of Nightwalks with Teenagers and on the eve of Mammalian's 30th anniversary next year. So it all feels rather auspicious. Oh my gosh, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Brisbane <laughs> can become the third city in the world where Mammalian sets up a headquarters. What do you think? Oh, I love that. Adam, you know a lot about Mammalian. Do you want to work for us? <laughs> You've done your research very well. I would love to. <laughs> it sounds like an awful lot of fun and, and such incredible work. Our guest today has been Virginia and Tony Pillai, the creative producer at Mammalian Diving Reflex based in Toronto, Canada. It's very late and we are encroaching on your evening time, Virginia. So thank you so much for joining us and we can't wait to see you at the Brisbane Festival in September. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Brisbane Festival returns to fill the city with three weeks of wonder, delight, celebrations and night walks from the 2nd to the 24th of September. For information and tickets, visit brisbanefestival.com.au.